0: Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome again. So, yeah, so we started with mood in the last episode. um, I'm looking forward to hearing a bit more about that. Uh, I think we all struggle with mood. Well, I like to think we all struggle with mood. Maybe you don't, Rob, but I do. I'm so interested to hear where we're going to go with that.
1: Yeah, Stu, I mean, look, let's face it. Unfortunately, it is welcome to the human race. (laughs) We all struggle with mood. Um, Everyone takes a clap, and we don't always recover as well as we'd like or as quickly as we'd like. In some parts in our, in our talk through this topic, I will be going into depression its, itself, clinical depression. Everything I say will be relevant to clinical depression. But I'm also particularly talking about low mood. Um, so, you know, both clinical and non-clinical. And we all do battle from, from, with, with low mood from time to time. I think last time we were talking about these self-stories and the importance of uncovering those and just to say that it's always useful to remember that lots of lots of folk from various philosophical traditions would say that in order to be happy um, people need to feel like they're moving forward in some way regarding their personal development that they are accomplishing important goals goals that mean something to them and also that we are connected to people that people like us and we like others that we have a community A group of folk that we call, you know, our gang, our tribe, if you like, that we belong to. So relationship and then personal progress or personal purpose, if you like. Now, I say that because we all have setbacks and COVID certainly has knocked the living daylights out of uh, both of those elements in various ways for people, at least from time to time. We've all felt disconnected. We've all felt lonely, uh, lonelier than we'd like to be. And um, we've all missed out on personal goals or hopes and dreams that we wanted to fulfill last year and this year. So it's, it's, it's been in those two areas particularly that people have had setbacks. Um, the problem for us as humans is that we're creatures of interpretation. And um, really it's around how do we interpret those setbacks. And it is unfortunately mightily easy for us to interpret setbacks in the wrong way, in ways that bring us down. So we can interpret, for instance, loneliness as being people don't like me anymore. Uh, My friends aren't true friends. I thought they were, but they're not. You know, I follow them online and I can see that they're connecting. I look at those pictures posted on whatever platform and there they are all together and they all look so happy. Why wasn't I invited? And we might worry about that, that. But then, of course, the ghastly, depressing thought, well, you know, maybe they're actually not my friend. And so we start to get now those underlying self-stories that I'm talking about, those stories about me um, that maybe I carry inside. So here I am, you know meeting with you and we're busy doing a podcast together but I might be thinking oh my word you know Stu's really grumpy about that aircon. I wish I had got it fixed because I know how he doesn't like a stuffy room and I've let him down again you know I'm sure now I'm going to get some email from him asking to sort of terminate this arrangement you know whatever it might be now that's my self-story you know And the problem is I often don't even realize it but that's the thing that's hitting me hard this this thing of being, if you like, a disappointment or, or letting a person down. And I carry that inside me, even though, ostensibly on the face of it, we're busy doing a podcast together. That would be an example, if you like, of an internal depressing self story. And Rob, would you say that, that oftentimes that's a story that we don't even, we're not even aware we're telling ourselves? Is
0: that, what, is that what you're saying?
1: I am saying exactly that. And that's why this question, why are you so down? is so important because oftentimes people need to take a bit of a moment at least to think fair question why am i down and actually start to work it out what is it underneath it all what's hurt me so in talking with young people oftentimes they will take me back to a setback they will take me back to something that's knocked them off either some really important personal goal they'll say to me you know what hey? i really really wanted to be this i don't think i can do it anymore Or I really hoped to get into university or into college to be able to do this degree or whatever, but I don't think that I'm going to make it now for whatever reason. Or it could again be on the social side. Either of those two main core themes are very, very common. So they'll refer back to some setback, something that happened. And of course, the setback is bad. It's not like I'm going to try and sugarcoat the setback. The problem is what interpretation have we built on that in what ways have we made that now become some kind of compelling ghastly seemingly true storyline about ourselves and our lives and the world that we live in so this is the key for people to actually realize oh my word I am carrying this thing forward now in this way that's actually changed me it's made me feel far less hopeful far less optimistic than I was before that happened. This has actually damaged me, if you like. And I'm carrying it forward in this living way that I barely realized. So yes, it is something unconscious that we want folk to be able to spell out in those ways. Now, just to add to that, not to um, overcrowd this issue too much, but Martin Seligman, who's done tremendous work for decades now on depression, Um, He pointed out some time ago that in the wake of a setback, um, the problem with, with low mood interpretations, there are typically three errors that we make. So something bad happens. And here are the three errors of interpretation that we are prone to make. Error number one, we make it personal. We say something about this bad thing happened because I'm at fault or there's something wrong with me so it becomes something personal. That's the first error. The second error is that we make it then permanent. Now, there's something wrong with me and basically it's over. It can't be fixed because I'm, I'm deficient in some way. It's always going to be like this. So I've lost a whole bunch of friends and it won't be recovered. It's something that feels permanent regarding the future and then the third error would be that we make it as though it's to do with our whole world all around us so everything is bad and you talk to a young person who's stuck at home possibly gaming most of their day away and you'll say to him you know look um, tell me about your about the world tell me about uh, what's going on in, 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 in in your life and basically they'll give me a litany of all the things that are wrong you know there's nothing good in the world no space for any light no space for any hope or opportunity or laughter or joy. So, um, to sum it up, it would be personal, permanent, and pervasive. Were the three P's that uh, those sort of thinking errors that Seligman identified in the wake of a setback.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And and so again, the real problem, as I hear you talk, is not being aware of of those things, and not being aware that these are just like this recording is going on in your head uh, well in your body almost every day and so maybe to throw a question to you on that is you know i'm sitting here let's say and you say to me why are you feeling down or depressed and and i just can't can't figure it out What, what do you do then
1: so there's this really nice term it's not mine but I use it quite often and that certainly applies to young people but us as well and that is that a good question sends us on a good quest so again ask the question and very often a person can't answer it immediately but at least they're thinking about themselves in that way asking questions about themselves in a way that's generative and likely to to bring newness newness of thinking what's going on in me Um, why is this going on Um, and yes for sure A young person can easily battle to identify what's going on, and we also can battle. But again, in talking with folk, it's amazing what a conversation can do because it prompts our thinking, and we can look back and say, what happened? When did this start? And we might well see that there was some setback or mishap that happened. Um, It can go quite far back because oftentimes depression and low mood dredges up memories from ages ago as being evidence of this ghastly Depressing, depressing truth you know but the point would be we put it out there we put it into words and then you know you can start to piece it together to say so I guess you carry around this idea then that you're simply not good enough and you'll never make it you know something like that we don't have to be spot on or or brilliant about the wording of it but the point would be to try and sum it up for a young person in a pithy way that they say yes I think that that's what depression or low me drill Low mood drills me with kind of every day is this underlying belief that um I'll never make it i'm I'm not good enough, you know something like that, and then of course there's all sorts of supposed evidence that people can marshal you know to say, look this is true this is a, this is actually a true thing and
0: and rob, if I can and and again, maybe I'm going too far here, but if I can then say to you I mean, do you have those kinds of things that you're aware of and in your your mind, do you find yourself, and, and what do you do with those?
1: So, yes, I think for me, I do. Um, I would think that most people do, to be honest. Um, and it has been very useful for me to at least know that they're there um, because they can really, really hurt um, and, and trash a day and, and a whole week or a month even if they just run, you know, on autopilot. So at least to know that that they're there and to realize, oh my mind has gone there again. What's also really helpful for parents to know is that just noticing, just recognizing or realizing that that thought is there is actually enough. We don't have to, as parents, come up with a whole lot of evidence to fight against the belief, and that's quite reassuring. So research is showing that that people don't need us to try to convince them that they're great. That isn't actually a necessary antidote to depression what is the antidote more than that is actually just realizing oh wow my mind has gone there again that gives us the inside track if you like that gives us a gap for something new something creative to happen and we will talk about that a bit later but I thought that that was useful for parents to know and also says something about us not having to be if you like like positivity lawyers you know trying to argue for the defense no no you know you're amazing and you know you can do anything you want to do or all of these sort of positive self-talk statements and whatever you don't have to go that sort of high energy route i'm not saying that we mustn't i'm just saying that the that the the the, the kind of the the healing doesn't necessarily lie there
0: sure really interesting stuff rob um some of that's surprising to me and uh, new to me uh, because i definitely have gone those routes but I suppose just one last final question on that is: uh, so y- are you suggesting that we we shouldn't or it isn't important to you know say no? But I actually think you're f- you're you're great, <laughs> you know that that kind of thing. Or wh- where would you go rather than that?
1: Oh no, I will always tell young people and my kids. I mean, jeepers, man, I love them so much. I'm going to tell them. I think they're flipping amazing you know it's just that that isn't actually the thing that helps so our kids like to hear it they're grateful that we we believe in them but to be honest it's not it's not a strong currency for them to use because they sort of know it anyway um The stronger currency for them to use is actually an internal thing that we're wanting them, wanting to help them to win the war against those internal self-statements and to sort of take a stand at least. I sometimes say to young people, whatever I say, I can't fight against your mind. And it's true. (laughs) You know, a child's mind will give me a good hiding if I'm going to try and contest with it. But I do want the child to take on his or her own mind in ways that I know will be um fruitful for for him or her. So so that would be the route that I'll go, but I will definitely tell them, look, I wish you could believe me when I tell you. I wish because I know it's true, but I know that you'll you'll find it hard to believe me when I tell you just how amazing you are. But I wish you did believe it.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Rob. Thank you. Thanks for that. And again, like I said at the end of last episode, I look forward to the next one to hear a little bit more about this.